Challenges and Icon series. Today I'm talking to Karma Cola's co-founder Simon Coley. Simon is one of three co-founders of the fair trade and organic cola drink Karma Cola. Launched in 2012, Karma Cola prides itself in using real cola nuts. They give three pence from every bottle sold to their cola nut producers in Sierra Leone and also support development initiatives and supplier countries through their brilliant Karma Cola Foundation, which we'll be hearing about later. This exciting Challenger brand is really proving that business, success and doing good can go hand in hand. Talking of which, they're just about to launch this new Orangeade, which is their fourth product in a range under the Karma Cola brand name, all with very different uh, identities. It's an eclectic look and feel, and I'm really excited to be talking to Simon about how he brought the, the brand to market, what inspired him, how he connects to the farmers in Sierra Leone, the foundation, and the vision for the future of where this really exciting Challenger brand is going. So welcome Simon Coley, co-founder of Karma Cola to Challenges and Icons. It's a great pleasure to have you here talking about your amazing brand and all the good things that you're doing. Um, so I just wanted to sort of kick off uh, the, the uh, conversation with you about um, how you really are challenging one of the, the biggest and most valuable markets in the world, the Coca-Cola market. Um, and can you talk us through your vision for uh, Karma Cola and how it's all come about, how it came to life? Sure, sure. And thanks for having me along, Jonathan. Um, there was a kind of a moment in our heart or more of a kind of what the fuck moment for us at the beginning of it all. I have two business partners who I'm you know, privileged and lucky enough to have kind of encountered later in my career. I sort of started as a creative and um, was, uh, like I said, fortunate enough to meet Chris Morrison, who had a, formerly a business that made organic soft drinks. The two of us were kind of thinking about what we'd do next at a certain stage. And we'd, we'd been importing fair trade and organic product to New Zealand and seeing that there was a real resonance in people wanting to have those sorts of choices as you know, consumers that are conscious of their impact on the world. At the same time we've been thinking Chris had made a really great cola in his previous company. And I, you know, I've been thinking of ways of explaining what we were doing. We were bringing bananas into the country uh, from the Pacific Islands. We called them all good because they'd be good for the land, good for the people and good for consumers. But we've been toying with this idea of illustrating or creating a virtuous circle between consumers and producers. And that being conscious of that and having a transparent supply chain would bring them closer together. And that that proximity would drive interest, purchase, education and improvement. And in doing that, we've, I've been thinking, karma is such a great way of understanding that relationship and thought of things like karma cocoa, karma coffee, karma coconut and then Karma Cola. I thought, well, maybe we could do that. You know, that sounds like something that would work. And, you know, the next bit of exploration was discovering that there is such a thing as cola. It's an ingredient. It comes from West Africa. It's been in the name of the most well-known soft drinks brand name in the world for a few hundred years. Um, and, you know, not, I don't think anyone who's discovered that ingredient and used it culturally 
socially in those last few hundred years has made much out of that transaction. So I thought, well, if we can get some, we could make an actual cola that's made of cola. And we could deliver on karma and contribute back to that community. So that's how our journey started. You know, we've got to a place where we think people understand that value, are interested in engaging in what we're doing, and, and hopefully want to join us on this journey. Yeah, well, it's a, it's a great product, and um, the, the, um, the, the, the way that you're, um, I think, really kind of looking at uh, more sustainable business practices around kind of where the ingredients come from and how it, uh, business is good for trade with the, mm. with the producers and the, and the farmers and cereal owners is, is great. Um, we see more and more of the, the big uh, brand giants, the cola brand giants, for example, are adopting more of these sustainable practices and, uh, and they're innovating in what you call, what we might call the better for you kind of product yeah, a- yeah. area. So in a way, you're, you're sort of building on, I think, you're challenging them and you're, you're paving the way, but they're also taking learning from practices from yeah. brands like yourself. So what does that mean for you as we're sort of going forward? How do you see that? Well, I mean, we have something of, a, of a, an advantage for us is that we've started with that at the core of our business, mm. that, that we couldn't call ourselves karma without delivering on it. Yeah. So we're not trying to re-engineer something. We've started with a, the intention and the practice of being sustainable, uh, ethical, uh, organic, and able to, to deliver on that message. Um, and to behave that way and operate that way as a supply chain. Um, a couple of the things that we see that we think you know, has to change pretty quickly, and it's, you know, it's not surprising that markets are demanding this of large brands, are uh, statistics like 1.1 billion single-serve plastic bottles in the ocean last year. Now, that's criminal. You know, we don't put anything in plastic bottles because we think that you can't... Uh, exert that toll on our planet you know and if we as a responsible business want to stand for those principles we've got to not use materials that aren't recyclable it's a big challenge for us to be able to get drinks to people without it creating waste um, and harm other parts of our ecosphere so I think innovation in this category is essential mm. and that the more we can do around management of those resources especially, mm. you know, people are shipping a lot of soft drink around the world. The closer you manufacture to market, the more recyclable or the totally recyclable and replenishable packaging solutions are kind of a mandatory now. Mm. You know, we all, we're all growing up to that. We know that we have an impact on our planet mm. and that we're all responsible for improving that. Yeah. Uh, certainly, when you've got a, a great product, um, which which is you know, there's a relationship with the producers that creates a product which gives back to them, and then the packaging itself is is brought into that whole cycle of kind of sustainability. It's something very dear to my heart, and it's great to see you you doing that, and and other brands are are doing that um, as well in their own way. Um, so, in a way, this is a bit of a shift that we sort of see that's taking place. But let's. From your perspective, what kind of shifts do you feel are the biggest shifts affecting the future of food and drink? Um, it's, you know, just in the last year or so here in the UK, seeing a huge interest in plant-based food as an alternative to meat, which has a lower impact both in the resource of, you know, if we are, you know, the resources we have are animal, vegetable, mineral, right? Um, at some stage, any, any stock has to consume 
you know, plant matter in order to be able to create protein for us to consume. If we reduce, simplify that chain, there's a lot less carbon produced, there's a lot less waste produced. So, you know, just yesterday I was with a, 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 a colleague of ours who we're trying to partner with from Food From Progress who's converted a meat-based factory into a plant-based protein development factory, which is a huge shift in the way, you know, large um, food producers think about the markets they're trying to engage with and their responsibility for our resources as shared resources. So I think that idea of being conscious of the impact you have as a consumer and changing your behaviour around that is becoming much and more much more prolific. Yeah. And the vegan food movement here is one of those sort of highlights at the edge of that um, trend. Um, and we see them, you know, we're, we're kind of fortunate because we're, we're small enough to engage with lots of these little groups and, you know, one of them are a few of those outlets here in London and they, you know, they kind of adopt our drinks as things to sell in there in their community because they kind of see shared values. Yeah. So for us that sort of innovation in food and beverage is around transparency, seeing the supply chain all the way back to the producer and the land it's come from and the impact you have on that. And then, you know, there's another big shift that's happening in the next few weeks around the calorie content of drinks, sugar tax. Yeah. And, you know, we're looking at that and thinking we have to be able to show you that we're not going to add any artificial ingredients, any chemicals, anything that doesn't agree, you know, sort of, sorry, anything that isn't part of our founding principles, which is that we only use ingredients that we recognise that are organic, natural, and, um, and not, and easily processed through your body. Um, so we're seeing a lot of the industry formulate away from sugar and using artificial additives, and we're not that okay with that. We think that you should be able to pronounce the things you put in your body and know where they come from. Um, and that if you're going to have a, you know, burger or pizza or whatever, you know, food you want to have, yeah. or your special vegan food, <laughs> um, that you should have a great drink with it and just don't drink too much of it. Yeah. If you're really thirsty, water's good. But if you crave that kind of refreshing, tasty experience, then we'll give you an option and someone else benefits from it as well. Yeah. Okay, well that's good sound advice. And so, so in a way, you're driving um, with what you're doing and the way that you give back to communities and, and the way the brand stands for what it does and embedded in, in the product and, and the, the community of fans that you have. Yeah, yeah. You're driving a lot of social capital. Mm -hmm. um, tell us more about why that's important and, and, and how you see that proliferating. It's interesting. I mean, in a sim simplistic view of the world, you know, commerce, Commerce's scorecard is profit, right? That you know you're doing well when you're making a lot of money. It doesn't always recognise that there are a lot of people involved in that transformation of materials to create that wealth. And that, you know, in very simplistic terms, in the way we've learnt from the fair trade movement, if you, are, if you understand and honour that relationship from the beginning, from the ground to the farmer, to the, everyone in the supply chain, then you ought to be, your business ought to be doing good as well as making profit. The challenge is always that that comes at a premium and we are tuned to pay less for more, right? It's kind of our natural consuming habit. So our challenge is to show that that difference, which is a 50p or whatever in this case, is worth it. That if you're going to understand and feel responsible for the impact you can have as a consumer 
you need to know. You know, and in the modern world with the technology we, we have, no one shouldn't know what they're putting in their mouth and where it's come from mm. and who benefits from it. So I think without seeing social capital as part of that scorecard for good business, we won't really have progress. You know, we have to look after the people that work for us, the people we work with, the people that produce the things we have, and they all have to benefit from it if we're going to progress. So having only uh, a financial incentive as a, as a way of understanding success in commerce just isn't enough. And when we look at the sort of triple life bottom line accounting practice, that's evolving. It seems to be a much more progressive way of thinking about how we grow as mm. as a commercial entity. Mm. And and you know you're 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 generating like a huge amount of uh, desire for uh, the brand, mm. um, and uh, it's it's you know, incredible because in, in many res respects you're sort of you're under the marketing radar mm. um, and creating this demand at the same time. So. Talk to us now about how you market the brand, your strategy, and how ultimately you want people to experience the brand. Mm. So, although we've all got some experience from large organisations and former careers, I think you know the, the thing that I've learned on the job on this one was watching people at a trade show we did a few years ago here at the London Coffee Festival, and seeing them come up. They'd been around this like a few hundred coffee outlets that were all showing them new coffee beans and. So they'd had a few cups of coffee, they were interested in having a conversation. Um, and so we were there at the back of the hall and we had our bottles, um, just over there, and a, a well, we, we'd actually made our stand out of our boxes. So we had boxes, bottles, some ingredients, cola nut, and uh, in the background we had a video of Albert Tucker, who's the chairman of our Karma Cola Foundation, and I and Matt, one of my partners in Sierra Leone, where we get our cola from. People would come up and they'd see the bottle and they'd go, wow, great looking bottle. What is it? <laughs> you know, and they'd look at it a bit harder and they'd go, oh, we'd give them a drink and they'd have a taste and they'd go, tastes like cola. Now, that was the best answer we could get because everyone has an idea of what cola should taste like permanently etched in their taste buds. You know, there's a lot of money gone into the advertising and promotion of that idea. So when people go cola, you go, great. You know, that's the response we're kind of looking for. Okay. And then they'd see this video of us in Sierra Leone in this strange place in the jungle with cola nuts and go, well, how does that all come together? And they'd read the back of the bottle and go, I get it. So karma means they get something from that transaction. So what I learned from that is if it looks good, you get the chance to talk to someone and hopefully they'll taste it. If it tastes good, they'll probably buy it again and especially if they know that it does good. Mm. And if we can get those three things lined up mm. in any interaction we can with a customer or prospective customer, then we've got a chance. So we've, we've talked about the design experience at a, at a general level, mm. and then let's sort of zoom into the, you know, how it expresses itself mm. through the, the range, which is uh, you know, a, a beautiful, uh, highly illustrative and uh, storytelling kind mm. of brand. And if I just reach over for the bottle one second, um, we've talked about, packaging formats and substrates. Mm. Um, and, but let's just get into the illustration because mm. I, it's a really beautiful design. It's telling a story. And um, before we, were, we started filming, you were telling me about the, uh, the, the, the story of the, the mermaid in the, in the river near the, the, uh, the communities that you work with in Sierra Leone. Just uh, tell me a little bit more about that. Sure, so if I, I can probably show this to, to our viewers. Um, 
Cola comes from West Africa, looks like this. Um, it's used as a, a sort of daily ritual in, um, in villages in Sierra Leone and in, in most of Sub-Saharan Africa. And when, you, when someone comes to a village, you split cola with them to greet them, like this. Thank you very much. And uh, you're expected to chew it. Now, it's very bitter. Okay. Just so I warn you. You want to do this? Yeah, go, give it a this try. Oh, you won't need a drink. I'm going to drink that. Now, cola has. <laughs> you'll need that. Oh, and drink that yeah. too. Mm. Oh, yeah. Well, you might. You'll find in a few seconds that it'll. Mm -hmm. You'll be needing hydration. Basically, it yeah. takes all the moisture out of your mouth. It's yeah, it so does. bitter. It's amazing. Yeah, yeah. So, we're fascinated by this stuff. You know, this is in one of the most well-known English words in the world. You know after okay. Um, and yet not many people knew about it. And that sent us on this sort of journey of discovery to find out what else happened around that culture. Now, next to the village we get this from, Boma, in, uh, on the, almost on the Liberian border of Sierra Leone, uh, is a river called the Moa River. And in that river is a spirit called Mamiwata, or Mother Water. Now, the illustration on the front of our bottle is a kind of interpretation of her. She has the power to do good and to admonish people who've done bad. So the legend has it that seven chiefs ago, she appeared to the then chief, a man, in his dreams and said, in the future, all the chiefs of Boma must be women, otherwise there'll be trouble. And since then they have been. And the current chief, Cardi Bo, was the first person I split cola with. And she is an incredible kind of, uh, I don't know, example to that community. She's quiet, methodical, strong, fair, clear person who's really coached these people through Ebola, through rebuilding their village after the decimation of the 11-year war. Yeah. So there's a sort of celebration of that spirit in what we're trying to do. And in the name and in the interpretation, I guess, going back to why people you know, respond to the label, that seemed a great way for us to, to turn a, you know, a complex but interesting story into a picture. Yeah. And then that picture would hopefully get people away into the other things we were doing. Yeah. Well, a fantastic story, and uh, with International Women's Day just passed, it's a very apt story, and, uh, and, 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 and also great to see how the communities are you know, coming out of, as you say, adverse, adverse times, and seeing how brand and product building are, um, you know, being are, able are, are able to, yeah, exactly, engage them and encourage them and provide commerce back yeah. into them as well. So, uh, fantastic story around the design. So, um, let's talk about, um, technology and innovation um, and how we see that fostering sustainability um, and changing lives. Do you see this as affecting your development um, and relationship with, the, with your suppliers and partners that you work with as you go forward and build the business? Well, I mean, we wouldn't have met Albert, who's, the, like I said, the chair of our foundation, without being able to Skype him, talk to him, you know, have a, a, a reasonably intimate relationship over a distance. So, you know, even today, we will probably text the producers every other day, you know, with, there's some sort of correspondence going on across our organisation, especially between, erratically, but, 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 but not unfrequently, with the, uh, the few people we have on the ground in Sierra Leone helping 
these things work, is you know, the work of the foundation. So um, just having access to a cellular network there, because there's not really any other, you know, there's no electricity in the villages, but they've got solar charges for cell phones. So that, that's, if we didn't have that, we wouldn't have a, a useful way of keeping in touch mm. when we're not there. And a very powerful way of keeping Absolutely. in touch. Absolutely. And, and interestingly, you will go to um, our, you know, places like Boma, which are a long way from any infrastructure, and find little huts that have 20 or 30 cellular phones all charging off the same solar panel, mm. because that's it. That's their net communications network. So in terms of using the technology that's available, it has been fantastic. We couldn't really do what we're doing without you know, a small amount of constant communication like that. I think the use of technology for us as an organisation is just, you know, it's kind of a right of admission in these, these days. You know, we are in selling in 23 countries. We have established offices in two or three of them. We have, you know, key relationships with the distributors in another 20. So we've got to be constantly able to manage that, like any other business in a, in a sort of global economy. Yeah. Um, I think the other way we think about technology is that idea we were talking about before about using an agile approach towards appropriate technology. Mm. And something I'm fascinated in is that the first time I visited the villages, I saw you know simple things like tin cans that have been used to create a barrier for pests or you know animals from the from the rainforest wanting to steal food on huts that had food in them I thought you know that that's a great way to establish food security and I could see that that it evolved from you know obviously the need to prevent these sorts of um, you know rats stealing food but you know there's all sorts of these tiny but appropriate uses of you know, knowledge and technology that aren't, uh, say, common use in these places, where we can be helpful just by providing some tools or some insight or a bit of expertise to, to use resources that are there much better. Yeah. And, uh, and, and the, the two, big, two big issues we have in those places are uh, basically food security. You know, there are rainy seasons and dry seasons and just making sure there's enough to eat all year round is something that needs to be solved, you know. Uh, and then education, that, that we can provide the materials to be able to, you know, allow kids to develop their own technologies. Um, you, you remind me very much of my first client, which is uh, Green and Black's Chocolate, organic, yeah, fair yeah, trade, yeah. trading with, you know, farmers, mm. um, and, um, you know, very connected to product and, you know, ingredients and creating a de delivering a great tasting product, mm. which inherently was a very mm. sweet product, mm. as chocolate is. Mm. They, um, they've, they've, their success you know, grew them, and ultimately they become. They're now owned by Mondelez, one of the world's biggest kind of you know, <laughs> snack and confectionery companies, and 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 have sort of, I think, struggled to sort of, you know, stay true to their values, and and there is dilution taking place, which maybe that's an inevitable consequence of of of, of corporate uh, takeovers and buyouts and mergers and, mm -hmm. and acquisitions. So so success is clearly coming your way mm. um, and you know, no doubt you want to build the brand and, and make it as, as impactful as possible for the communities that you're supporting and, and also for the enjoyment of people consuming the products but what are your thoughts then about you know scale and, and potentially the ultimate which is you know, um, mm. you know acquisition mm. by, by maybe a parent company 
I, you know, hopefully it would be a good problem to have. Yeah. It shows that it's working, that people are engaging with the story, that they like the product, that they want to tell their friends about it, that we're getting some growth. Mm. So, <clears throat> you know, the more drinks we can sell, the more good we can do. So, so that ambition's there. But I think we are, you know, I need to be really clear about not losing the magic because that's why people like it. And there's always that issue of, oh, you know, I can buy you in a big supermarket now. I won't support you as a, you know, previous mm. cafe and mm. all the other great outlets that have been kind of, sorry, all those other great light outlets that have helped us grow. Yeah. So we need to honour them as well. And I think the way we do that is that baked into everything we've created is our foundation. Mm. And the Karma Cola Foundation is the organisation that makes sure there is karma in our products. Mm. And we're applying that across all our products. Now we started with Karma Cola, now Ginger Ale, Lemony, Summer, our other drinks will all be able to contribute to that foundation. Mm. And we'll be able to develop the scope of the foundation to work with other growers or other groups of interest that we know will benefit from the relationship with our customers. Mm. So whatever happens, that exists. Yeah. And that, that's there for the, that very reason, that we can't, again, we can't call ourselves karma unless we can deliver on that virtuous circle. Mm. We need to protect that, so the foundation is that protection. Mm. It's the heart of our brand, if mm. you like. And then anything else is, you know, there are other people that can make drinks for less money than us, mm. that can distribute them, ship them, make things for less than we can. We're not that big. Mm. So if we could get some scale and not lose that magic, we're great. Mm. But I think that's probably the conversation that we'd end up having, right? So we can't not do this, otherwise there's nothing. Mm. <laughs> you know, if we're not delivering back to our growers and all the other people that expect to benefit from mm. this, then we don't really have a brand. Mm. And uh, I think that's what makes it kind of magical and then we can work with the logic to, to create scale. Yeah, uh, and, and my experience of seeing this where it does work well <coughs> is where that magic is protected and nurtured mm. uh, as you know as a as a potential partnership in the future may yeah. emerge um, for you I would say that would be the you know that that, that would be the essential um, mm. component would be to uh, protect that but we're you know we're some way off from that and yes, uh, you know yes. you, I don't know what your your future plans are but um, let's just sort of talk about the future just, just wind up there um, uh, so what is your your vision for the future generally for karma going forward and, and the drinks culture around it you know do you see it proliferating well, how do you how, how do you see the future well, on a couple of levels if, I mean the, the thing we've been talking about the foundation is becoming more and more kind of obviously the thing we can grow yeah. because it, we've kind of figured out a way to do you know be useful in the context of working with our producers without a high overhead mm. and you know in the scheme of things we haven't contributed a lot in terms of money to these communities mm. but we seem to be getting a lot in terms of impact so I've just on you know in the next day we'll have completed our five-year report for the work of the Karma Cola Foundation in fact I did bring a draft of it for you oh nice which is all here thank you illustrated with our um, <laughs> virtuous circle there or heart-shaped supply chain but you know the point of this is that we can now take that to other places yeah you know we can look at how we can develop what we're learning with other producers and I think that's the 
That's the real measure of our success, that we understand our responsibility as an organisation and how we can, in a small way, be a model for others, but make sure we keep true to that, those founding values. Great. Um, and then I think in terms of product, we've got, you know, there's, there's more ingredients we can use. There are ways of us, you know, we're always looking at ways to improve the, the, the experience, the flavour and the, you know, the, the thing that makes people want to drink it again. But looking at other ways of, of um, kind of addressing the desire for, you know, interesting new flavours. How do we, we've, we've got to be constantly across that. The tension there is that we still know that people love cola, they love lemonade, they love ginger ale, mm. you know, they love orange ale, and we want to be able to give them a really great, straightforward, soft drink that they can enjoy and know does some good. Cool. Well, the uh, Tacoma ecosystem is, uh, is, is fantastic, and the fact that you've been voted one of the world's ethical brands, or the most ethical brand, is, is a fantastic accolade, and uh, um, it's been a you know, great both trying the product, trying the ingredient, and uh, meeting the, the co-founder of Karma Cola. Thank you very much for coming uh, on uh, the uh, show today, and uh, it's been great talking to you. Good Thanks. luck with everything in the future. Really appreciate it. Well, Thank you. Very you're welcome. Much. Yeah. Cheers. Cheers. <laughs>